You are listening to the 10-Minute Think-Through, to the point conversation about the Bible, theology, and current events. We had a topic submission from one of our listeners recently who wrote and asked, what does the Bible say about immigration, and why is it such a controversial topic in today's politics? That's a great question. It's one that we've avoided talking about a whole lot for lack of preparation, probably, uh, that maybe we've gotten a few times. Uh, thinking about immigration is... Um, obviously all over the news today and particularly even in our part of the world in the last several months we had a uh, a raid at a meat packing plant in our uh, community and um, became really a kind of a, a hot topic of conversation around those events um, back in the spring here in um, East Tennessee so um, what does the Bible have to say about immigration Jared well, there's a lot of immigration in the Bible. There is people moving from place to place. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I think on the surface level, you could you could look at that. Look at the different stories. You have um, the people moving into Canaan and then out of Canaan into Egypt and then back into Canaan into the Promised Land. Uh, of course, we're talking about uh, the Israelites, God's chosen people. Um, if you're talking about like even like a refugee situation, Jesus, Joseph, and Mary at the beginning of Jesus's life had to flee to Egypt. Um, so, I mean, I can just right off the top of my head think of a few times in the Bible where that happened. Um, Brett, what, are we, what do you think? Bible on immigration. I'll ask you a specific question, Brett. Okay. Is that really appropriate application of those texts? That's a good question. I'm, I, I'm baiting you in here. I think it is, but I, think, I, don't, I don't think it's oversimplification. I think it's appropriate application. I think it's, I think it's both. Yeah. I think it's an oversimplification because most of the time when you hear people use that argument, it is just for the sake of argument but it is it is a, it's a punchy right, it is a right application so right. it's an oversimplified application but it's correct in stating that people who uh are fleeing their country out of or fleeing their home or, or being forced to to relocate because of political or economic stress uh the definition for that would be seeking asylum or a refugee yeah and so i think absolutely. the reason we're not willing to read it like that is because we don't want to believe those are real people in the bible well we, you could say we, the same thing about the the type of women that were in jesus's timeline those people like mary magdalene or uh you know even uh bathsheba those are people that we like to see in the pages of the bible but that we don't want to welcome to the the table for communion. And so yeah. it's, it's different when it becomes a real life application. Yeah, it does. I think we, I mean, we just think of Bible characters as cartoon characters, not real people, sure. you know, and, um, but yeah, quite simply. Jerry, and it also feels you, very, really over-politicized. This is the, this is yeah. just basically a card that gets passed back and forth across the aisle. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, Deuteronomy ten nineteen, God told his people to welcome sojourners among them. Uh, there's certainly direct, commandment given by God to his people as to how to, to interact with those who, who um, aren't native to their, uh, their place. Yeah, I love this passage. And, you know, so that was in Deuteronomy, you said. So in mm-hmm. Leviticus, still talking about the law that God handed uh, his people through Moses, uh, Leviticus 19.33, when a foreigner resides among you in your land, don't mistreat them. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native born. I mean, that's God giving instruction to his own people. That's, to me, somewhat clear. Is all of this really us struggling with the idea of who is my neighbor? Is that is that an okay way to, to phrase that? Like when we know that Jesus says that he he says that uh, the most important commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind. And then in Luke ten twenty seven, he also says, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right. So is this us struggling with that 
yeah. definition. Yeah, I think so. I, I think it's uh, us not wanting to see people like us clearly as those um, who would be defined as our neighbor. Um, I so don't why know if I said so, that correctly. I might have said that wrongly. I'm not sure what I said there, but <laughs> try to go, go again. But no, I'm just saying. I think we don't want to define. We don't want to picture. Uh, what makes us uh, uncomfortable or what we don't understand as actual application of that passage. So why, I mean, if it's, uh, this doesn't seem super complicated to me. So, I mean, I would, again, ask the question that the listener sent in. Thank you for sending in a question, by the way. Um, this is a, it's a hot button issue. Why is this, why is this so tension? Feel? Yeah, I think one tension comes from the contrast between what we would call legal immigration and illegal immigration, right? I think in our area particularly that is the tension where you say i've heard people say to me well i'm all about like if you follow the process like if you go through the legal like whatever to become a a, a well you're allowed to be in the united states or you eventually become a, an american citizen that's great i'm all for that i am against when you sneak into the country i've heard that argument a lot do you think there's a distinction here biblically between those two okay so here's where i would start ringing a bell really loudly if i could yeah the question is, what does the Bible have to say about immigration? What we like to talk about is what the Bible has to say about immigration policy in the United States of America. Yeah, Nothing, it has nothing to say about what the right way for us to police ourselves as it relates to our borders, apart from these principles. The, prin- the principles, so this is a question, I beat this drum all the time, beat it in sermons this fall. When you read about the people of God, in the Old Testament, in the Bible, you are not reading about the United States of America or any other nation. You are reading about the church. So when God instructs his people to welcome sojourners, he's talking to us as his church. He's not telling us how, as Americans, we ought to to police our borders. I think It makes no sense to polarize the issue where we say let everyone in or keep everyone out. Uh, There's enough nuance, even in Scripture, for us to have interpretation on how that might work. But what he's saying is if people are among us and we as Christians live in this nation, this ought to be our posture toward them. Not that it's wise for us to just have anyone come across the border and us give them full access to everyone. It's far beyond what we can do sitting around with three mics in front of our face to say this is what the United States ought to do with her borders, right? What we can say is the church has a welcoming, loving, na- who my, this is my neighbor kind of posture toward immigrants around us. Yeah. I mean, I, I completely agree with all that. The, that was a long sermon. I'm sorry <laughs> for rambling. No, I just no. used three of our 10 minutes probably. <laughs> no, that's so good. Um, so uniquely here in the United States, our people in our church have an opportunity to at least speak partially to policy through yeah. who you elect, yeah, right? That's right? So there has to be some level of like, how do I apply yes. these these principles in scripture to this real life decision I have to make? Right. You know, and so I, I do totally get that there is a yeah. decision there. Yeah. So my rant should not be interpreted as, so that means we shouldn't talk about this from a policy perspective ever. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Don't. Uh, that's uh, my apologies with that. No, no, no. I think Brett just fixed my mic nicely here <laughs> while it's falling. <laughs> that was the sound you heard. I I have recently read a book, and it's something I think that maybe I think both of our uh, both of your wife 
Jared has read Rosaria Butterfield, The Gospel yeah. Comes with a House Key. Sarah has read that, Ben. And so one of the key themes that she talks about in the book over and over again, which I think is helpful for us to maybe apply here, is seeing your neighbors not as intruders, but as opportunities. Mm. And so it, when we think about immigration, it does feel like there's a defensive stance that is a political way of thinking about things. But I think that the gospel changes our perspective and says what we would normally see as an intrusion is in fact an opportunity uh, where God is bringing someone into your life. And it doesn't matter who cares how they, you know, how the opportunity, you know, surfaces. We're not in charge of defining the rightness of the process of how the opportunity came to us as Christians. Our you know, our call and re- response is really just going to be, how are we going to deal with that once it's brought our way? I mean, how did the Good Samaritan decide to just seek out the person who was beaten and left on the side of the road? No, it, and it, it didn't matter who it was. Right. The, the person was there, and he didn't have, the, the job was not to evaluate whether or not helping them was right based on who they were. It's they were there. That's right. Yeah. I'm Jesus, you know, in Matthew 25, uh, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I mean, I think that is a call. Hey, there's an opportunity to serve someone. So serve someone. Yeah. I mean, you know, if we could, if, if we could boil it down to what's the most loving thing, I mean, I hate to oversimplify that, but that's really the case, right? It wouldn't be the most loving thing for us to have. And no nation can survive an open border that just says, come, use the resources that are here, we'll all find jobs. That's not going to happen. So it's not the most loving thing for us to have no immigration policy. But it's also not the most loving thing for us to take a posture that turns up our nose or gets angry with people who left where they were to better themselves by coming here. Followers of Jesus wouldn't take that kind of approach, that kind of attitude. Yeah, so I would brag, you know, I brag on our church, the opportunity we at least got in that one moment where it was all over the news. Now, we're missing opportunities right and left to, to apply these same ideas uh, all around us. But um, I would just uh, applaud those uh, who it were part of our community, not just in our church, but across, uh, across the area uh, when, we, when we saw this kind of come to light and say uh, that the response seemed to be pretty appropriate uh, in, in my view. Is that how you guys felt? Oh yeah, I was days. I was really proud of not just our church, many churches in the area and businesses yeah. who stepped up to the plate and served this group of people who really needed a helping hand when the when the moment demanded it. And you know, I think like the fact that they got news coverage is helpful and like, but that's sort of it's just a bonus. Like that isn't at all what mattered at all. Um, and hopefully, we've seen in our church some of the people who got connected at that moment have stayed connected and have stayed helping and. Yeah, and that's the win. It's not a pat on the, the back win. because we handled it, handled it well as a community exactly. a few months ago. We need to stay engaged in that. Have a thought about today's podcast or an idea for a future episode? We'd love to hear it. Let us know at 10minutethinkthrough.com. If you like our podcast, help other people find it by rating us on the iTunes or Google Play podcast store. 